This episode of Biscuits and Jam is presented by Boar's Head. Hey everyone, it's Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back next Tuesday with actress and songwriter Bethany Joy Lenz. In the meantime, I wanted to bring back an episode with country music star and cookbook author Miranda Lambert, who talks about the women who raised her and why she loves to entertain. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you next week. Welcome to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine. And in this episode, I'm talking with a woman who's become one of the most successful and recognizable names in country music. Miranda Lambert grew up in a small town in Texas where there were seemingly more churches than people, but she was also exposed to some tough realities at a young age. Her parents, who were private investigators, often opened their home to clients and other people in need, especially women who needed a safe place to stay. Miranda turned some of these experiences into songs and eventually a reputation as a tough, fearless performer who knows how to tell a story. But despite her independent streak, she also gives credit to an intergenerational support system of women who have always had her back. And now she's got a cookbook that pays homage to them. We'll talk about all that, plus her farm-to-table childhood, her mom's famous meatloaf, and her new hit with Morgan Wallen on this week's Biscuits and Jam. Miranda Lambert, welcome to Biscuits and Jam. Biscuits and Jam, what a name. (laughs) (laughs) And especially when we're talking about your new cookbook, congratulations on that. Thank you. So, Miranda, this is actually way more than just a cookbook. I mean, it's really a love letter to your mother, your grandmother, and this tribe of incredibly strong Texas women who helped to raise you. Yeah. What are some things that all these women have in common? Oh, man. I think the one thing they all have in common is confidence. They all know who they are. They believe in themselves. They taught me that just by watching them. And I mean, there's so much and we'll dig into that, I'm sure. But I think confidence would be the word. Yeah. Well, so paint a picture for me of this cast of characters. Who are we really talking about? Because it's a lot more than just your mom. It's my mom, who's Beverly, and I call them my aunts. That's what I call these ladies, because that's what they are to me. (laughs) I have a very small family. My dad has one sister. My mom has one brother. I have one blood cousin, so it's very small. And so we kind of just chose our family, you know, with these women. Heidi and Vicky, who are sisters from Austin, Texas, and Denise. She's our resident Cajun. Her family's from Louisiana. She's from East Texas. Cast of characters is exactly what it is. These women that were for lack of a better word, boss bitches in their life. But to me, they're just my aunts who helped raise me. And I am so lucky to have had them. And then the generation before that was my grandmother and her group of friends, which we called the Yaya's. We did steal that from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, obviously. And that was Yaya generation one. And then my mom's and my aunts are generation two. And now me and my friends are gen three of the Yaya's. So this book is stories from every single generation. So there are a lot of pictures of this crew in this book, and it looks like y'all had a lot of fun being together. What was a funny moment that happened when you were doing the photo shoots and putting it all together? 
Oh gosh. Well, I mean, the group text of what to wear, <laughs> they were so long. It's like, what's everybody wearing? Should we color coordinate? Is anyone wearing fringe? Of course we're wearing fringe. We're from Texas. <laughs> like, that was funny. All of our photo shoots involved drinking <laughs> because that's what we do when we get together. <laughs> well, you need a little bit of that just to get the smiles going, right? Yeah. Take the edge off. When we're together, there's coffee with Bailey's or mimosas in hand upon rising. <laughs> <laughs> there is a wonderful picture in this book in the first few pages, and it's you and your mom and your brother Luke, and you're working in the garden together. And you looked like you were maybe eight or 10 years old. Tell me a little bit about where that was and kind of paint a picture of that place for me. That was at what we call the house that built me. It is the house that I grew up in in East Texas. And it was a rundown farmhouse that my mom somehow made into a beautiful home little by little. That's why that song was so special when I heard it, because I lived it. And that was when we had kind of lost everything and my parents were starting over. We had to start over a little bit and move to a different town. And my dad and my mom just rebuilt. I mean, they literally... We're like, we're going to start over and rebuild our lives and get back on our feet. And my dad decided that his family would never be hungry and he would live off the land and do a subsistence farm. And that's exactly what happened. My dad's a hunter, so we had tons of meat and he planted a garden and a compost pile and we raised rabbits. And that was us working in that garden. My mom would literally be like, go pick out what you want for dinner. We're having stir fry. <laughs> and I feel like those lessons were so valuable. I didn't even know it at the time, but my mom canned everything and just really learned what survival is. And it's really to get back down to the basics, you know, like, we still had fruit roll-ups and Pop-Tarts, but <laughs> but those were treats, you know? And I'm so thankful because the first thing I did whenever I became an adult is buy a farm and start a garden. I'm not very good at it. I leave town too much to grow anything usually, but I've helped, thank God. But I think that picture sort of sets the tone for the book. So this is in Lindale, right? Mm -hmm. They were really kind of ahead of their time in terms of the whole back to the land, farm to table thing. Yep, they were. Farm to table is popular now, but we literally lived farm to table. Well, it's a very serious garden and you see this picture and it's beautiful, but there was a lot of work that must have gone into that before that picture, you know, moving yeah. all that dirt, getting it ready to plant. And, well, you didn't have a tractor or anything. My dad did that by hand. You got a row to hoe. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we were all part of it. My brother and I had to wake up every morning and feed the animals and gather the eggs and help mom gather the veggies before school. It was such a cool way to grow up. And our house was not the fancy one. We didn't even have central heating air. We had window units, but it's where all the kids wanted to come because it was homey and it was fun and it was free and it was in the country and run around barefoot and pet the goats. You know what I mean? And I feel like that foundation is such a part of me now and who I am as an artist and as a woman. Mm. I want to ask about your grandmother, Nani, who seems to have inspired so much of this book and of course inspired you. Tell me a little bit about her and how she brought the family together. She was very fancy. It's funny because the other day, my brother, my mom and I were together and mom's like, did you think Nani was as fancy as Miranda did to my brother Luke? And he's like, oh yeah, super fancy. So it's confirmed. She loved jewelry and she loved finer things. She drove a Cadillac. She had one of those cigarette pouches that was sequin and she smoked Virginia Slims. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was very much glamour to us. She lived in Mesquite, Texas until... 
I think I was 10 when she moved to Lindell to be closer to Luke and I. But she just was like super glam. And she always had crystal and her china always matched. Going to Nani's for a holiday felt very glamorous to us. And I think that's where I get my love for like the pretty things in life is from her. She loved fur and really for a small town person felt very big, you know. So she really would have loved the Nashville scene and some of oh, yeah. the, the fancier aspects of your life. <laughs> he did. She came to Nashville. We lost her five years ago this week, actually. But she actually was front row in the pit at almost all of my shows for the last 20 years. I would look down and like Nani's at the back rack with all these kids getting beer spilled on her. And she's probably spilling the beer. To be honest. Her and her friends were just a little bit wild and free. And they were just truth tellers. They would sit there and with a bourbon and Coke at one o'clock and smoke and drink and tell the truth. And I, as a songwriter, I'm so glad I got to witness that. I tried to absorb every piece of it I could. There's a great picture of her on the very first page, and it's this beautiful Thanksgiving turkey, and she looks beautiful. She's gorgeous. Super glam, right? (laughs) She really is stunning. Talk to me about the holidays with her. What did a holiday celebration look like when you were at her house? It was very traditional, and her and my mom ended up getting in arguments about it later on because my mom's like, why can't we do, like, Italian Christmas? And, you know, it's traditional, like, turkey, dressing, ham, green bean casserole, homemade rolls, cheesecake. She really was a stickler to make the holidays very traditional. And I'm a little bit like that now, too. Her dressing is famous, and it's not been mastered since we've lost her, but I've gotten really close. Last year, my family voted that I got the closest that anyone has since we lost her. But wow, okay. my brother and I videoed her telling us how to make it because we knew we would want that one day. And she would just go, it's all in the hands. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I would say, so how much sage? Well, just a pinch, not more than a pinch because then your dressing will be green. And we're like, okay, well, how big is a pinch? <laughs> like her recipe was not to the T, but it was to the T to her. So it's a very special thing, the naughty dressing. And she would always make six big tin pans of it because she knows we would all want dressing for days after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it was really special. I mean, the holidays were a huge deal to her and she had all this sand. Santa plates and the Santa glasses and the red candles. I mean, she really did it big for Christmas, for sure. I'm sure you have some of that in your house. Yes. I was lucky enough to get her crystal. She gave it to me and a couple of things that she used to love to serve on. She gave me. That's what's so special is, and I don't think it's a Southern thing. I think it's just universal. This idea of passing something down that already carries so many memories and so much of your heritage. I think that part that we reiterate in this book is so important because when I hold a plate that was my grandma's, my great grandma's deviled egg plate, I'm like, how many memories does this thing have? This is so great. And I feel a duty to carry on the traditions of whatever that plate represented, you know? Mm, I love that. You know, you talked about how each of your mother's friends had their own strengths Like your mom, for example, was the queen of chicken salad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So talk to me about how they would all sort of bring different things to the table. Everybody kind of brings a piece of their personality, I feel like. Vicky's always very put together in Color Princess B because she thinks she was royal in a past life and she's obsessed with Tiffany's and she's bougie. (laughs) Bougie in the best way and more bougie than the rest of us. Like 
her cupcakes always are on a tower and match the theme of whatever the party or celebration is. So she always brings the fancy. And then Heidi is always the solid one. She's probably the best cook of all of us. Her and Denise are the best out of everybody. But she just is consistent. Heidi's one of those people that you feel the love baked in the muffins. You know she just like sprinkled them with all this fairy dust. And Denise is our resident Cajun girl. So we've got all this amazing, rich Cajun-influenced food with the gumbo and shrimp toast. And Denise is not about a calorie count. Like, it's just going all the way for it. And there's enough to feed an army, no matter what. If Denise makes it, there will be leftovers for days. (laughs) So everybody kind of has their specialty. I am the kid, so I'm usually the one that's running and refilling the cocktails. So I don't cook a lot when the queens are around. It's funny because when they came to Nashville, so we could get some footage and stuff last month, I flew them all up here and they were like, what's funny is we haven't seen you cook and you have a cookbook. And I was like, why would I when y'all are in the room? (laughs) But my friends, my generation, our yaw-yaws, we're carrying it out. So when the queens aren't there, I do work in the kitchen. But when they're there, I'm like, nope, I'll make the drinks. (laughs) (laughs) You've had more success than just about anybody in country music. I mean, you've won so many awards, but you've also been through some tough times, a divorce, the loss of your father's best friend. What are some of the ways that these women have rallied around you when you really needed it the most? In every way. They've been there for the first time I ever performed on a stage, and they were there to pick me up when I was at my lowest, just having a rough time. Same for them, losing Denise's husband. This group of ladies, they're all 20 years older than me, at least. They're in their 50s and 60s, and Denise just changed my diapers. I mean, I've known her my whole life and met Heidi and Vicky when I was about eight. So I feel like watching them go through so much life, it prepared me for what was coming in a way. And as a songwriter, you know, I started writing at 17. I didn't have a ton to write about then yet. So the dinner table is where I started gathering information or hanging out with those girls on a camping trip, just being around stories of real life stuff. There's breast cancer and illness and death and divorce and breakups and marriages and babies and graduations. I mean, you can't make old friends. This is a whole life full of life and we did it together. And so when they sort of rallied around me as a grown woman versus the kid of the group, I felt really supported. They were my first call when I got engaged and my first call when I got divorced. You know, that's just kind of how I needed them on both ends of that spectrum. And they were there and they have been there through everything. I'm so lucky to have that group of ants around me. I feel like everybody has that group. And if they don't, I hope this book inspires them to go find that group for themselves because it's so important to have friendships and family, whether it's family by blood or family you choose to celebrate with. Because at the end of the day, like we're all driven and we have careers and everybody goes a hundred miles an hour in their lives, but the memories are all we're left with. So we have to make some. That's the truth. After the break, I'll talk more with Miranda Lambert about her church, her mom's marriage-worthy meatloaf, and much more. This episode of Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living is presented by Boar's Head. Introducing Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Glazed Chicken, a new classic flavor available only from Boar's Head that brings the celebrated traditions, signature flavors, and iconic taste of sweet honey barbecue to your local deli. Inspired by famous barbecue joints and the aficionados who know the reward is worth the wait, 
comes an authentic experience that can only be from Boar's Head. Made with premium ingredients, this slow-roasted chicken is delightfully sweet with notes of honey and perfectly balanced with savory hints of hickory smoke. Honey drizzled and barbecue sizzled. Ask for freshly sliced Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Chicken during your next visit to the deli counter. Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, and today I'm talking with country superstar and now cookbook author, Miranda Lambert. I've heard you say that you grew up going to church quite a bit. And I think you said in the book there were something like 212 churches in Lindale. <laughs> in Smith County. I had not realized that till my husband. I took him home. He's a New Yorker. He just was like, why are there so many churches everywhere? There's more churches than people. And I was like, that's an interesting thought. I never, I just was used to it. You know, the South, that's so what it is. There's a Baptist church on every corner. And I Googled it and it was like 200 and something churches in our county alone. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But yeah, I mean, faith was such a huge part of growing up for me. It was church every Sunday, every Wednesday night. I sang in the youth group. I sang in the choir. My dad played guitar in the church band. It was a big part of what I built my foundation on. And I think that having that small town childhood with the living off the land and survival skills that my dad had instilled and then our faith as a family, I feel like really carried me through those first crazy years of getting into the music business. It's not easy. You can be pulled in a thousand directions. And I feel like if I hadn't had that foundation, I could have strayed off in a million other directions and maybe not stayed true to my core. But I've always stayed so true to my gut and the core of who I am because of all those things I just mentioned. Yeah. So can you describe the church that you went to? I mean, there's so many churches in that county what does it look like? What did it sort of feel like? I grew up Pentecostal first, and then we moved to Lindell. We kind of went non-denominational, but it was kind of labeled as Baptist, so sort of a mix. We had the most awesome pastor. We were really close to his family, the Offit family, and it was all about music. I think I really learned how to sing. You know, growing up with the Pentecostal, that's all about the music and the hairpins flying and, you know, raising hands in the air. And I, I think that's where I started to pick up harmonies and understand what that meant. And then I started singing in seventh grade in the youth group and I was very shy, but church felt like a good place to start because it wasn't, it wasn't as scary. It felt like a safe house. And I really learned how to sing at church. So I want to talk about your mom for a second, Miranda. We actually have a little bit of history with your mom and her meatloaf. Yeah. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> so we ran this recipe, I think it was about 10 years ago. Was it 2010? So even 13 years ago, maybe. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It's called Bev's Famous Meatloaf. It's still up on the site and still going strong. And you claim that this recipe will get you married. Yeah, well... She claimed that. And so now that's a thing. She always says it's the loaf who gets you the ring. And I mean, it worked for me twice. <laughs> There's that. Um, everybody that knows our friend group, knows this ladies, knows that if you're getting serious with someone, you either bring them to Bev Lambert's house to have the loaf or you make it for them yourself. And I think there's like 10 cases where people either brought them to moms and then got engaged or made the meatloaf and then got engaged. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a thing. It's like a little spell. There's something in there. 
Well, it seems to work, clearly. Yes. People love it on the site, and I'm glad they're still coming back to it <laughs> all these years later. It's literally one of her biggest moments of her life is getting editor's pick in Southern Living. She'll never not talk about it. <laughs> and also, she named it Bev's Famous Meatloaf. <laughs> well, it is famous now. <laughs> so your mom clearly knows how to have fun, but she's also a pretty tough customer. She was a private detective. Yep. And she did a lot to help victims of domestic abuse. What are some things that you learned from your mom about helping people? We had an open door policy growing up. Like anyone that needed help, we helped because people did that for us when we were in a struggling situation. And I think that her and dad just had a calling for really trying to lift these women up that were going through a rough time. And, you know, I saw a lot. I had a pretty sheltered childhood in a way because it was like, Church on Sunday, football Fridays. Mom had cookies when we got home, even though she had just been staking out somebody's house, watching them cheat or whatever. It still felt really normal to Luke and I. But we saw firsthand with these women and children coming into our home, sitting around our dinner table, helping us do dishes. They had bruises on their face and they were battered and abused and their kids were and they were living in our home. And it was just a lot to see up close. But I think that my mom, I'm glad that her dad didn't shy away from letting us see that because that's real life. That's hard stuff, man. And you can't just live in their small town, little Baptist bubble. That's not reality. And so I'm glad that I had firsthand view of, oh, life can really be sometimes. And I think that's where I got a lot of my material for songwriting early on is seeing hard stuff. And also the servant's heart of helping people through something. I just think it's so important of a lesson to learn to stop and take a minute and help somebody when they need to be picked up, pick them up, you know? And that was really instilled in Luke and I from early age. Hmm. Miranda, you had a big hit back in 2011, I think called Mama's Broken Heart. And it was all about a girl and her mom who have kind of two different ideas of getting through a breakup. What did Bev think of that one? She loved it. I mean, that story is not necessarily her, but there is a lot of women out there that would rather sweep it under the rug. There's an element in every Southern woman's home of like the preachers come and clean, put everything in the laundry room. <laughs> That's just how it was. Make sure nobody sees our dirty laundry. And she's definitely not like that now, but there was a little element of that. But I feel like I, I wrote a few songs about my mom because like any mom and daughter, my teen years weren't that easy. We were not best friends at that point. We are now and we were before then, but you know, 17 to 20 is pretty hard on mom and daughter, especially we were working together. She was trying to manage me kind of, she was just trying to get me gigs and trying to help me get on the radio. And we were traveling around the country in a Ford Explorer with bologna sandwiches like Loretta, just trying to get heard with my guitar. And so we fought a lot, but I got it out of my system with that song because we had had those hard years. Well, you must look back on all that time and think, what a gift. All that time with my mom driving around. And oh, yeah. Might not have seemed that great at the time, but those bologna sandwiches probably seem pretty cool now. They were. And I know how hard the entertainment industry is because I've lived in it forever. But I'm so thankful for a support system. My parents heard me when I said, I want to do this. I'm going to chase it. And they were like, we're going to spend your college money on it. So there's no net. There's no backup plan, you know, and it made me just work that much harder because I didn't have a backup plan, but I had a support system and my brother and my parents and my uncle and my aunts, everybody was like cheering me on and there to help me push through the hard because, you know, early on, they work you to death. <laughs> There's some really hard days and I missed every birthday party, funeral, wedding. I mean, I missed everything. 
was on the road 300 days a year, but I'm making up for that now, and nobody held it against me. I want to ask you about another mom song, and that's one you recently wrote with Morgan Wallen. It's called Thought You Should Know, and it's turned into a number one hit. Tell me how that one came together. My friend Nicole was over at my house, and we were drinking rosé. We were supposed to write, but we just hung out. <laughs> and uh, she called me the next day and was like, hey, I have a write with Morgan today, and somebody backed out. Do you want to come? And I was like, sure. And so we had the best day. We sat on her porch and made a couple drinks and just really talked. And I got to know Morgan. He's a sweetheart. He's an East Tennessee boy. And it's a new artist. I try to be there for new artists of any kind because I know the road ahead and that it can be bumpy. And we're just talking about, like, what do you want to write about? And he was like, I kind of want to write a song to my mom because I know she worries about me so much. And so we did. And we wrote three songs that day, actually. I love them all, but this one was for sure special. And it was really cool for Morgan to let down his guard and write with two girls about somebody that's so special to him. I'm glad that he felt comfortable enough to, like, open up to us and let us tell that story for her. I still haven't got to meet her, but I want to give her a hug around her neck because I'm very proud to be part of a song that's about her. Well, I think that's somewhere in your future. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Thought you should know that all those prayers you thought you wasted on me must have finally made their way on through. I thought you should know I got me a new girl down there, Jefferson City, and she lets me feel. Well, Miranda, I just have one more question for you. What does it mean to you to be Southern? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm Texan and Southern. <laughs> so it means the world. Sometimes there's this connotation with Southern people. And the one thing I know about us is that we're welcome. Come on, come all, come as you are. And I take so much pride in that. You know, our book is very much about being Southern, but it's not judgmental kind. And that's the most important thing to me. It's come as you are, stay as long as you need to. You know, that's Southern to me. Well, Miranda, congrats on the book. It's just great. And thanks so much for being on Biscuits and Jam. Thank you. It was a great interview. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Miranda Lambert. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuitsandjam. Our theme song is by Sean Watkins of Nickel Creek. 